it's like when you're driving your pickup and it's muddy and you get your back wheel stuck, right? You can tell we're in Texas and I own a truck. Um, you know, take that for what you will. <laughs> Melissa and I are Kia Soul people, but, but we understand. But you understand. Yeah. But if you get your wheel stuck, right? If, if you veer off road on purpose or accidentally and you have two choices, you can slow down and evaluate your options and figure out, you know, what the prudent way forward would be, which usually involves getting something to jam under your tire so it's not spinning in the mud, or you can mash the accelerator and pray your V8 gets you out of there. <laughs> and Kiefer, what you've described, I think for me, it names so many of us just want to, we, we choose the accelerator option, right? And we sling mud yeah. on the people behind us, <laughs> uh, whoever, and we just dig a deeper hole. Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. And today on the podcast, we continue this series of conversations looking at the experience of wilderness. If you're jumping in in the middle, know that we began this series last week and we invite you to start there because it lays a foundation for what we are going to be talking our way through. Also, you got to hear us complain about being in a season of complaint. So uh, what more could you ask for? Uh, today, we are moving into part two of, of what is often described as this journey in the wilderness. Part two is meltdown. Well, if you Describe meltdown in just a couple of words. What would it be? Uh, well, I think of ice cream is the first word. Hmm. Uh, second word is just like tears. Just like makeup is gone. Just tears. Meltdown. Yeah. Toddlers. <laughs> okay, those are like my three words. Okay. <laughs> ice cream, tears, and toddlers. All right, Kiefer, your turn. <laughs> I don't know that I can get it that uh, whittled down. That's That was good, but... I don't know. I just, uh, maybe not a word to think of, but something I find funny about it is that like the five stages, like you start with complaint, which sounds like you start negative and you end with growth, which makes me want to believe it's like this uphill slope, but meltdown being two sounds worse than complaint. Like it's like you go even, it gets even harder before it starts to get kind of mm. better. And even, and even discipline later on doesn't exactly sound desirable. Like I don't know if discipline is like a negative word for anybody else, but it is kind of for me. Um, it's like accountability. Kiefer doesn't like it. Uh, <laughs> right, right. If you remember the podcast, the, we had to find a word that was. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is like that. Uh -huh. It's uh, kind of, yeah. So it's, it's just this thing of like, just the idea of it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. Kind of a, mm. um, kind of an idea with this, this weight, this uh, piece of the journey. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that we see in, in, in meltdown, whether it's with a toddler or with tears or with ice cream or, or whatever, is that, you know, it, there's a heaviness to it, right? The ice cream melts down, the tears fall down, the toddler falls down and flails in the floor during a meltdown. Down is a key word there because often it, it's kind of uh, a meltdown is the embodiment of a season or a prolonged period of feeling down, right? This discouragement that comes, right? Uh, Kiefer, you named in the last podcast how early in the pandemic, 
the first several weeks were a time of exploration and new and, you know, hey, this is a forced change where I can encounter a new rhythm. What could happen here, right? And so maybe complaint came a little earlier. And, and I know for me, the, the forced innovation of that early season was energizing in a way, right? Mm. But as we enter week 18 and 19 and 20 and, and, and really move from thinking we might have seen an end in sight very early on, right? I remember having the conversation after we suspended in-person worship on March 17th of, hey, do you think we'll be back for Easter on April 12th? <laughs> I remember yeah, that. Everyone was like, yeah, obviously. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Right? And, and, and now we're sitting in a time where in Texas, where we're recording this, <laughs> it would have been radically safer to gather for in-person and worship for Easter than it would be this Sunday on the 26th or the th- of August, or not of August, good night. My, we're in July. Yeah, we're in July, July. right? Um, and, and when this airs, it'll be the 3rd of August or the 2nd of August. But um, but that, that, you know, the, what has happened over time in my experience, and I think part of what you named last time, Kiefer, and I heard you, Melissa, say similar things is, is that the perpetuality of it has felt like a weight that's sitting on your shoulders. And it's like, you got a backpack full of rocks and you're throwing one more rock in it each week. Right. And it's just yeah. getting a little heavier and a little heavier. I said, we actually did that in Iona. We're like, because there's this beautiful beach of nothing but colorful rocks that we put into our packs to take home with us. And then we hiked another seven miles with all the rocks on our back. So that like, just in the like, the pure weariness that I can remember a friend of mine who was on that trip who had picked these larger rocks to put in her pack before hiking seven miles. Um, at one point moved her backpack to the front. So she was carrying it more like you would carry a child. And she just like rested her arms on top of it as if she was like nine months pregnant hiking through Iona and just the absolute weariness that you feel specifically I think like on your shoulders I think Mm. is also so um similar to the like metaphorical weight you feel on your shoulders with discouragement that comes in a meltdown yeah recently in a sermon I I used the language we can't go back but we're not sure how to go forward and I can't tell I mean you, you hope as a preacher that sometimes people quote your words back to you because it says that, you know, they were paying attention and it, it hit home. Right. And, and sometimes that happens and, and often it doesn't, you know, but, but that line I heard so many times throughout the week that followed because it captured where people were feeling, right. The weight of this in between that is like, huh, yeah. what do we do from here? right? Do we move the back to the front side of, or the backpack to the front side of us <laughs> and carry it differently? Do we put the rocks down if that's even an option, right? Um, I think it kind of makes sense like too with what I was just saying about this whole idea of like you kind of have to move backwards before you get forwards. Maybe it's not moving backwards. It's just like, because right now I don't feel like we're moving backwards necessarily. It's more just like we're stuck and we kind of, and mm. especially in Texas, it's like we really wanted to move forward quickly and then we kind of saw the repercussions of that and so i think maybe it's just like almost a necessary i I see why this is a necessary step of this whole wilderness journey idea where it's like 
you kind of just have to sit. And I, and I hate that idea of like, I think there, mm. but I think you just kind of have to sit with like the newness and the, the bad, you know, the parts of it that you don't want. Like you have to kind of just get used to it. It's like, if you try to get away from it and try to go back to normal, like, you know, it's, it's like, nope, you can't. Like we were talking about that the last episode, we can't go back to normal. And if mm. we try to do it, we're going to make things worse. <laughs> so you just kind of have to like sit with it and figure out, you know, what the new normal is going to be before you can, before you can actually get there. It's like when you're driving your pickup and it's muddy and you get your back wheel stuck, right? You can tell we're in Texas and I own a truck. Um, you know, take that for what you will. <laughs> Melissa and I are Kia Soul people, but, but we understand. But you understand. Yeah. But if you get your wheel stuck, right? If, if you veer off road on purpose or accidentally and you have two choices, you can slow down and evaluate your options and figure out, you know, what the prudent way forward would be, which usually involves getting something to jam under your tires so it's not spinning in the mud. Or you can mash the accelerator and pray your V8 gets you out of there. <laughs> and Kiefer, what you've described, I think for me, it names so many of us just want to, we, we choose the accelerator option, right? And we sling mud yeah. on the people behind us, <laughs> uh, whoever, and we just dig a deeper hole when mm. we allow the impulse to push so fast to get out rather than being willing to, to kind of be in, in the moment of it. It's as though like our discouragement gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Uh, have you guys ever watched, I mean, you, you named a toddler tantrum, right? As one of the, the meltdowns. Have you ever watched one go from, oh, it's coming, oh, it's coming, oh, it's coming to it's here in all of its full glory? Yes. Mm -hmm. Th there is a cycle that happens with these, right? You have an instigating incident, right? The no, you can't have ice cream or yes, you have to go to timeout or you <laughs> name it, right? The thing that, the wrong that has occurred, and then if you pay attention to what is said and what is expressed and all of that, it moves from disappointment and discouragement at the wrong that has occurred to an extrapolation and an amplification that, you know, words never get thrown around, right? Uh -huh. The no, you can't have ice cream right now becomes, no, you never let me have an ice cream. This is terrible. No good. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this escalation happens and in the same moment, you know, what starts out as a singular event becomes a universal. <laughs> and what comes as a moment of, of grief and harm becomes a, a state of grief and harm and that emotionally overwhelms the child to the point where they're flailing in the floor. Um, well, that, that is kind of what I was talking about last week too, with like the bad things stick with you. Like in that moment, mm. that's what comes flooding back because it does, they, that literally is what your brain is doing. It's, it's so good at going, and here's all the examples of, of the times I've been wronged. And it's you like, you can't remember the time where dad actually did go buy you ice cream. It's no you balance. All the right. times where dad said, no, no ice cream. You have uh, never bought me ice cream before <laughs> dad. <laughs> That yeah. may actually be true, Kiefer. Uh, I may have never actually bought you ice cream. <laughs> I actually am, uh, I'm, I don't think you have ever bought me ice cream. <laughs> sorry, we can remedy that sometime. Um, right. You know, thinking of this, like last week we talked a lot about like the Israelites and we talked about Moses's journey in this. And I think there's like relevance and melting down to both of them in this. Mm. Like, my mind actually thinks about uh, the prophets 
And like the moment where they have this like meltdown of like, they're not listening to me, the Israelites, Mm. the people in Jerusalem, the Judeans, whoever, right? Like are not listening to me. And they go have this like massive meltdown with God, right? Where there's like, sometimes it's like beautiful poetic, like lines of like, of how God has like failed the prophet. Even if God said at the beginning, this is going to be hard. They're not going to listen to you, but I still need you to do this. And so I think it's just so very human for us to like need to melt down. And I think like we, you know, we were actually saying this before we hit record on this podcast as we were getting set up to record of like, we think the collective spirit, maybe in two weeks out when this podcast drops, it'll be different, but it feels like the collective spirit around us is we're in the meltdown of the wilderness phase Mm -hmm. together right now. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think we're in meltdown. I don't think we've gotten to provision yet. (laughs) (laughs) No. And, and, you know, and it gets expressed differently as you were talking about the prophets, Melissa, I couldn't help but think of uh, first King, you know, the Elijah story. And and I've recently highlighted in a sermon, the moment where you God speaks not in the earthquake or the wind or the fire, but in the sheer silence. But, But what happens before that, what drives Elijah into the wilderness? Yes. Right. Is this meltdown moment. And before God speaks in the sheer silence, you know, God asks Elijah, why are you here? And he says, I have been very passionate for the Lord God of the heavenly forces because the God of the, because, sorry, because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have murdered your prophets by the sword. I am the only one left. And now they want to take my life too. There's a bravado in that statement. Mm. Yeah. And that does kind of. That was, same exact line at the, like in that, the wind, mm-hmm. the fire, but in the sheer quietness or the deafening silence, the, I am the only one. Mm. Like it, it, that's like Elijah's journey past. Like, I think that's like, you know, where you watch the, like, you know, we were, we talked about the image of watching the toddler get up, ramp up to the meltdown. To me, that's like the end of the meltdown for Elijah is when he can say the, like, I'm, I'm the only one Mm. in that space. It's It's the toddler realizing it's not universal. Well, maybe they don't realize it's not universal at that point, but that like this emotional exhaust has to end. Hmm. That's funny. Well, Cause I hear him as like the toddler mid peak peaking saying like, I'm the, o-, like he gets to that point of like, I am the only one left. And it's almost this over dramatized, like, cause yes, I mean, maybe the he. First, the first one is that it's exactly okay. like peak meltdown, but he says that exact statement twice. Oh, twice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In, in verse 10, he's melting down verse 14 after mm. God has come in the sheer silence. Yeah. It's the retrospective introspective. And, and what is fantastic, I think, Melissa, as you rightfully point out to us, is that the circumstance fundamentally hasn't changed. Right. Right. The sources of discouragement may not have gone away, but his interaction with it is what changes. Yeah. After his encounter with the Holy. So I've been trying to like hold back on getting to this point, but I think like, because we've gone with the Elijah example, it's like perfect timing too. So, you know, we've been using this book, like the land between to kind of help guide where we're coming to y'all with this podcast conversation. 
and he brings out these different points under the meltdown of that there's this weight of discouragement. There's also good company. Like there's there's a time where you can find buddies that can that can help you in the meltdown. Like we need that. But the part that I want to get to is his third piece that he outlines in like the meltdown phase, which is the art of crying out, which mm. I think that is a lost mm. art format. Mm. Uh, so if y'all will allow me to tell a brief, quick story. Um, Sorry, I'm hitting mute. <laughs> so, I'm going to go get a drink. <laughs> Keeper, you got a timer going, right? That's yes, right. I do. <laughs> there are timers on me. It's all good. Uh, so I got this voice message from a pastor when I was back in the Wesley world asking me if I could fill in on this like upcoming Sunday. But the message was so garbled on the other end on this voicemail that I just heard, can you preach for me this date? Lamentations. Okay, thanks. Bye. So I thought like, I'm preaching on this week, something about the book of Lamentations. When was the last time anyone heard a sermon on the book of Lamentations? Mm. And I, 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 I I had a meltdown. I had a bit of a meltdown of like, what am I going to do this sermon on? But I think like, I actually had a really great conversation with someone else after that of saying like, I think I'm supposed to preach on limitations and I have no idea what to do. And they actually had the like, what a beautiful opportunity it is to preach from that space and to remind people that there's not just the book of lamentations, but there's these Psalms of lamentations and we see it with the prophets and we see it over and over again. And they actually, there was a paid position for someone to lead the people in mourning, to lead the people in the art of actually crying out to God mm. when you're in the midst of the meltdown. Well, and when I think about you know ancient uh, traditions, they had very, I mean, even up until as recently as a couple hundred years ago, right? Very intentional processes and for, for grief, for naming your frustration. And, and often we think of them as very specific processes around the, the death of a loved one or the loss of somebody, right? You, you know, you wear mourning, you're in mourning in sackcloth for these seven days, right? And you, you know, but it's a part, it wasn't just a part of death, but it was a part of life, right? We see the, the prophet Noah, right? Goes to Nineveh, right? And, and the people upon hearing the the word uh the call to repent right yeah. they sit in ashes and wear sackcloth and, and, into the cattle right and you know the itchiest of all possible stuff to rem- <laughs> to physically tangibly remind you of of the grief and the frust and the heartache and and the reality of things right and I feel like in our 21st century world, mm. in uh, especially in, in our American context, right? So much of that grief, that public lamentation, that there there's a pressure to not deal with it, to get rid of it quickly, to move on fast, to not be open and vulnerable enough, either with people close to you or a broader community, to be willing and able to publicly grief. And that gets applied in our life of faith too, right? This lament, this crying out to God. One of the things I, we try to periodically preach on some Psalms of lamentation and stuff in, in our faith community to remind folks that there will be moments 
where you are at your wit's end. And a faithful response to God, actually a radical affirmation of God's presence and importance to you is to go, God, I have no idea what is happening right now or why this is being allowed to happen. And um, here's what I got. If we don't do that work, then we come to this bad theology conclusion that God only wants us at our best, our happiest, or, you know, on and on and on. And I think there's something that, like, I feel like you started to touch on it, Daniel, that I wanted us to, like, drill into a little bit deeper. And I think it's that we have a really hard time of honestly and Mm. vulnerably articulating our meltdowns to where like we will have the toddler experience of the meltdown in our private homes or whatever space we or on our Facebooks or on like, right. Like we will have those, but we won't have actually dealt with it in a way that looks at it in a really like honest, I'm going to look and I want to see clearly in the mirror what's happening. Instead it's, I just want to hear my little echo chamber, my little belief system, And I think when we do that, we stunt our like spiritual and our physical health in some ways. Mm -hmm. Whereas the mature thing is to, to be able to see deeply into the honesty and the vulnerableness that comes in the need to cry out to God. We just want to, we want to rationalize everything here. We want to say like, I, I want to figure out the answer for why this is happening. Like, from a rational place before we even deal with the emotional impacts of like what we're currently feeling of it. Like, I don't even know that as a, you know, as a broadly speaking, I don't know that we even know how to recognize what we feel in a moment because we know, we know how to know what we think about something, but we don't know how to know what we feel or what we're feeling a lot of the times. Mm. Like, and there's some people I've even heard use, I'm sure there's some scripture probably in the New Testament to, to say like, you know, you need to, like the sharper minds. What does Paul say about having, needing to have a sharp iron? Yeah, like, and there's, I've heard people kind of rationalize the need to rationalize from like a scriptural thing. And I actually think there's so much more, especially the Psalms, we go to the book of Psalms, there's so much more um, like uh, scriptural backing for, recognizing your emotional state and going to the emotional place first. Um, Like David is all like, if you just, if, if David was like, had a Twitter account today, like, or Facebook, I can, I I just really like imagining David, like David writing the songs more in a maybe more public fashion, like kind of, he would be one of those people that people, you know, he gets, gets a lot of eye rolls and stuff like, Oh, there's David whining about his situation again, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, I think we just maybe sometimes look at that wrong today. It's like, that really is the, uh, um, it's just so often the first place that, that people writing scriptures go to or people praying or writing songs or whatever it is in scripture. It's always, God, this sucks. I hate everything about, about what I, what's happening to me right now. And, they, it's, and they don't just say it and move on. They just they linger on it. They stay there until they, can, until they have allowed themselves to feel it. Mm. And there's a beauty to that, too, of like there, there are book, uh, bookends on that of yes, they give themselves that space to feel everything. But they also always start with this praise of who God is. They always acknowledge who God is. And I think the beauty in that, that we also stunt ourselves in and are more rationalized realms is the way they articulate who God is in the Psalms is big and it's, it's varying and it's diverse. So God 
the way that they praise God at the beginning fills the needs of who they're crying out to. They establish like that this God that I'm crying out to is big enough to provide or to care or to um, handle the overwhelming of the situation I feel because, well, God created all of creation so God can handle my pains or, right? Like there's always this praise of who God is that God can then handle all of the crying out that we need for whatever length of time. And there's always a conclusion of reminding yourself of who that God is. So it's this beautiful way in this art of crying out to, you don't have to hold anything back and you can say it honestly or as nuanced or as complex as it may be, but you've already established that the God who's hearing this is big enough to handle it. Well, and, and within that is a foundation of trust. When we think of just our interpersonal relationships, the people who you can name the God's honest truth hard with, right? Are those people who you have a foundational trust level with? And, and what we see in the Psalms, Melissa, as you're right, is that, that naming of the trust and the why behind the trust at the beginning and at the end so that the middle can be real and true and honest. Um, Recently, I was reading a book uh, called Didn't See It Coming. It's by Kerry Newhoff. He's a Canadian pastor, and I just butchered his last name. But um, if you see how it's spelled, you'll understand how I butcher it. Um, but one of the things he names in that book, specifically wrestling with um, how do we care for ourselves as leaders uh, in ministry, but in in an unknown kind of world and season, and he... he shared it in the context of his own sort of burnout story. Um, what was a line that really stuck with me, he named that ministry is a series of ungrieved losses. Mm. Whether those are little relational bits or, or moments where things went sideways or little minor harm things that have happened. And the nature of ministry is that we, we don't deal with it. We just keep pressing forward and push on. Uh, he updated that this week in a way that I think is really helpful. He, he tweeted out ministry is a series of ungrieved losses. So is life. Yeah. Uh, and when we don't cultivate the capacity to cry out, we are more likely to live in this season of meltdown and discouragement over and over again, because it going back to our backpack image earlier, right? We've tossed, the weight of rocks into our backpack, but in never grieving them, we've never taken them back out again. Right. We just allowed them to sit there and allow more and more and more to get stacked in on top of them. Yeah. And pretty soon, no matter how strong we think we are, we're carrying on a weight that is too great and too big. Or even us. if we don't, I think there's even a powerful image of like, even if we don't add to it, if we don't add more rocks, if we don't add more hurts, the weariness of carrying that, for seven miles or seven years or whatever it may be, it's going to weigh us down. And I love this. I love that we have this like image of like, there's the toddler meltdown that we started with, but then there's also the beautiful art of crying out meltdown that allows us to invite God into the midst of our meltdown that is going to happen in the wilderness. We're not yeah. saying don't have the meltdown. We're actually saying have the meltdown when you need it. Right. And, and trust that God will meet you in the meltdown, right? We, we've kind of looked at both ends of the Elijah story already in our conversation, right? The, 
the beginning of the meltdown and the kind of more introspective saying of the same language a little after. What happens in the middle is that moment that often gets pulled out of context where God's not in the wind and the flame or in the earthquake or whatever. God's in the sheer silence. But, but really what that is is God caringly and with compassion meeting Jesus in or meeting Elijah in that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the promises of scripture and and what we see in the testimony of the Psalms and others is, is that we can have that happen for us too. And that's part of why meltdowns are important and part of why the trust inherent within a meltdown, you know, we don't melt down with people who we don't trust will be there with us and for us. (laughs) after the fact right shallow friendships yes if you see somebody's eyes begin to bug out and and they're looking for the exit in the middle of your meltdown you're like oh okay we've tested and this did not survive the test (laughs) um but but god is that friend who stands there in the face of it all and continues to look you in the eye and and be there and offer the greatest compassion that you need in that moment of meltdown Thank you again for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. And I am truly loving this series that we're in, talking about wilderness and the journeys through it from all the way from complaint to growth and the things that you figure out uh, and have to go through in the middle of that. And even though uh, we're in this season right now, I think we all agree of uh, meltdown. Um, we know that uh, provision is coming and growth is coming. And if you would, and, and that's just such a, a wonderful thing to think about. And we would like to bring as many people into this hope and this conversation uh, as possible. And so if you can do us a solid and like or comment or review, um, that would be really great. And also copy the links and share them to your social medias and Twitter and Facebook and all the things. Um, that would be really awesome. And we would love to have as many people join this conversation as we can. Amen. We certainly would. And and now that we've gathered together, I want to give you an invitation to grow. Today, that invitation is simply uh, to use the Psalms as your guide, to use the scriptures as your guide. And and if you today could write a prayer or a poem or a song that both expresses the heartache and the trouble that is, but also the profound trust in the God who creates you, redeems you, and sustains you, we would love for you to do that. We'd love for you to take the challenge of doing that because in the midst of that would be an invitation to profound growth for you. So write a psalm, share your truth and your heart with God today, and know that God will meet you in the midst of it. And now as we get ready to go, would you receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go from this place this week? May you go encountering a God that you have permission to name as big, as comforter, as whatever it may be that you need in a meltdown. And may you go knowing that that God will be with you through ice cream melting and toddler tantrums or simple tears that don't stop. May you go crying out to a God who will hear you and receive whatever it is you need to offer in the season of the wilderness. May you go in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.